0: The Cardinals made their choice for opening day starter official, and Brandon Crawford arrived in Jupiter. All that coming up on B Shave Daily. What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to this edition of B Shave Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. It is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. And we're talking about a couple of topics related to the Cardinals today on the show as Ollie Marmel on Tuesday morning in the Cardinal dugout there at Roger Dean Stadium made official the announcement that we could pretty much figure was coming for some time ever since whatever day right around Thanksgiving, the Cardinals signed Sonny Gray. Yeah, they announced that he's going to start on opening day, March 28th, 2024 in Los Angeles taking on Shohei Ohtani and the Dodgers. That announcement coming officially from the Cardinals on the same day that Sonny Gray made his Grapefruit League debut pitching at Roger Dean Stadium, starting the game for the Cardinals against the Boston Red Sox. No, there was no Tyler O'Neal making the trip across the state of Florida for this game, but we will talk today on b Shave Daily about Sonny Gray's outing, how he looked, how he felt about it afterward, and our general impressions of him taking the ball On opening day, I I think that was probably a decision that nobody was surprised by. Again, going back to the day that he was signed, you could look at the five and say, yep, he's the best one. Time to find whether he can be the ace of this rotation or not. And the Cardinals are going to start that right away with uh, Sonny Gray in Los Angeles on March 28th. And he'll be taking on a lineup that probably starts off with Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, and Freddie Freeman. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Shohei Otani homered, by the way, today in the spring training game between the Dodgers and the White Sox. But guess who else homered in that game? Paul DeYoung. How about that? The new White Sox hitting a home run for his new team. But that comes on the same day that the Cardinals officially welcome a new shortstop to the organization, Brandon Crawford. See, it's all connected. Crawford making landfall here in Jupiter, Florida, introduced at the Cardinals Complex on the heels of the one-year, $2 million contract that he signs. Yeah, a couple million dollars for Brandon Crawford. So tonight on b Shafe Daily, we will talk about some impressions from what John Mozeliak had to say, what Brandon Crawford himself had to say about joining the organization. And we also heard from Ollie Marmel about that topic and the Sunday Gray topic as well. So all that's coming up tonight on b Shafe Daily. Appreciate you guys for joining if you would like. You can go back on the YouTube channel from earlier Tuesday and check out the pretty much full media availability with Brandon Crawford that I got on video about eight minutes long. If you'd like to hear directly from the newest Cardinal, you can do so by scrolling back and checking out that video on the YouTube channel that will not be probably put up on the Spotify or Apple podcasts for B-Shape Daily, but check it out, youtube.com slash at b Shafer 12. And if you enjoy regular Cardinals content throughout the season and offseason and spring training, etc., etc., make sure to hit that subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner of your video on YouTube. Brennan Schaefer, St. Louis Cardinals writer. Plenty of Cardinals content coming all year round. Let's go ahead and get into it, though, by talking first about Sonny Gray. Since I know we talked with some uh, expectations and speculation about Brandon Crawford last night, you can go check out that episode if you want. But some updated information here today. We'll get first into Sunny Gray, though, because I think this is a move that we all knew was coming. I think it had even been kind of hinted at by different reporters. Derek Gould, I know, wrote about it, but it was never anything that was officially publicly said until today. And, you know, it was just one of those things where Ollie Marmel could pick the day that he wanted to share the information. Um, it was kind of funny in the Cardinal dugout. Jeff Jones tried to ask the question in a very circuitous way, and Ollie kind of gave him some crap and said, if you're going to mean gonna ask it like that, I was going to tell you the answer, but now I don't think I'm going to. And then he looked at Lynn Worthy, who writes for uh, STL today, and he said, oh, great question, Lynn. Yes, uh, Sonny Gray will be the starter on opening day. So just kind of giving Jeff some trouble. But it was a good time had by all, and ultimately we got the answer that we were looking for. Yes, yeah, Sonny Gray is going to be the guy second in the Cy Young vote in the American League last year. The Cardinals signed him to the three-year contract. You look at the guys that are, are still here. Yes, they could have maybe gone a route of, hey, Miles Michaelis has been here before, and so we defer to the, the guy with more service time with the Cardinals. Hey, Lance Lynn's on his way back. Maybe we defer to Lance Lynn and give it. Sonny Gray was the only choice, I think, with where all of these guys are at this stage of their respective careers and the seasons that they're all coming off of. Sonny Gray, again, was second in the AL Cy Young vote. He had like a 2.79 ERA, 184 innings, 183 strikeouts. He was really, really good for the Twins last year. And he comes over to the Cardinals with St. Louis, really hoping that he'll be exactly the same. And to this point, he has been everything the Cardinals could have hoped for and then some in terms of the teammate that he's been and the presence that he's been in spring training but I also know that there's going to come a point in time where we'll talk in these videos about the games that are counting toward the standings and what the Cardinals are going to need from Sonny Gray is him to win a lot of those games and pitch really well in those games. So that his teammates can help him to those W's, right? It's going to matter how the Cardinals perform all of these preseason narratives and off season narratives about veteran leadership and making your teammates better and, And sharing a nice little anecdote, those are good stories in spring training. I am not naive to the fact that those stories don't matter as much if you get into the regular season and you're not winning. So the Cardinals have got to win games, and Sonny Gray I think is a great candidate to be able to help them do exactly that. But it's going to have to happen, and we're going to get to see from the word go, Sonny Gray is the guy that can give them a chance to do it. They're going to face the Dodgers. Like I said, the lineup that Sonny Gray is going to face in in that Thursday, March 28th game in Los Angeles is going to be a doozy. Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman, and then I think they had Will Smith, the catcher, batting fourth today. That's at least the way that they lined it up in their their game today, having Otani slide into that number two spot, which I think is, is smart. I think the two spot should probably be your best overall hitter, usually. And, and for the Cardinals, that still might be Paul Goldschmidt. I think that's where he's going to bat in the Cardinal lineup for whatever it's worth. Part of the thought process there is to make sure they get the left-right, left-right split near the top of the order. But nevertheless, like Otani going to be a beast wherever they put him in the lineup and Sonny Gray is going to have to face him. I'm not saying Sonny Gray is going to go out there day one and, and beat the Dodgers. It would be a great tone setter for the Cardinals season. And I think everybody's going to be eyes glued when that game is played. But nevertheless, we're going to have to wait and see how it goes and, and acknowledge, too, that as much as Sonny Gray said he was honored to have the opportunity, he has been an opening day starter a couple times before. Uh, it's very meaningful to him to get to come into a, a storied organization like the Cardinals and and have that chance from the very beginning of his career with St. Louis. That'll be his official Cardinal debut. But all that being said, it is just one game, and, and he views it as going to be a full-team effort to try and fix What happened last year? He was asked, like, do you view yourself since you're the opening day starter? Do you kind of parlay that into a mindset where, like, you're the stopper? You're the guy that has to put an end to a losing streak and needs to set the tone and needs to. And his response was interesting. He said, Yeah, there was a lot of needs to in that question. I don't really view it that way. I think everybody's going to have a chance to be that guy. We need a rotation where one time Miles will be you know, the quote unquote stopper. And sometimes it'll be Lance Lynn and sometimes it'll be Kyle Gibson and Steven Matz. Like, I, I think a more cohesive mentality is what Sonny Gray sort of use it at. And I think that's, I think you're getting the, the reality and the truth from Sonny Gray when he talks like that, because again, the guy doesn't really do anything or say anything that's for show. I think you're really getting the, the genuine thought process of the player. So, you know, yes, I think we can contrive that as a, uh, a narrative in the media and fan base and say if the Cardinals have lost a bunch in a row and it's Sonny's day on the bump, like, yeah, his role is to kind of stop the skid and, and end that losing streak. But I think right now we're in, it's still February, so it was a little bit mindset-wise. I think it was genuine that Sonny Gray is not really to that point of being able to, to kind of – uh internalize and then vocalize all of what those thoughts are going to be. But starting out in in Los Angeles, he acknowledged that's going to be a crazy environment given what the Dodgers have done this off season. But he said, hey, I mean, the Cardinals have done some things too, and we're excited about where we are after the off season. and, and, And so far the spring to this point that the Cardinals have had. So that's kind of interesting as well to hear from Cardinals opening day starter, Sonny Gray, who did pitch by the way, on Tuesday. And I would say he pitched pretty well. It wasn't, quite the outing that I think he was looking for. It's very interesting when you go into the Cardinals clubhouse on one of the little pillars in the clubhouse is a little sheet of paper, usually taped up on the pillar that has the pitchers schedule for the work week, the work week schedule, the pitcher schedule, whatever you call it kind of four or five, six days out in advance. Who's throwing, who's going to be pitching in a game setting. Who's going to maybe, maybe be getting a live BP on the backfields. Or a side session for their bullpen work and on, on the backfield mounds, etc. And it's kind of planned out for who throws this many innings and when, and all of these elements are, are plotted out ahead of time. But when it's most guys, it's okay. This is a starter, so he's throwing two innings. Okay, today we're going to advance a little more. He's going to throw three innings in his bullpen. You know, whatever the the setting might be for Sonny Gray, it said thirty five pitches. I mean, it actually just said 35. So you could make the joke of, wow, Sonny Gray is so dedicated. He's going to have a 35 inning outing because for everybody else, it was innings. It would just say two or one in parentheses. For him, it said 35. And so not a typo. I think they just, for whatever reason, logged his in terms of the pitch count. That was the plan for him for Tuesday in the game at Roger Dean Stadium against the Red Sox. I wondered in part, was that like They're not going to let him exceed 35 in the two innings that he would generally throw. Or if he's really efficient, could he go three innings? I wasn't exactly sure why they did it that way. I guess I could have asked, but I didn't. But nevertheless, for Gray, he ends up throwing two innings, both scoreless, and going over that pitch count of 35. Ended up with 40 pitches and a a couple more throws as well because there were some pickoff attempts involved in the outing. And it was a very interesting moment that happened for Sonny Gray in this outing as he and Brendan Donovan found themselves on the same page through not the pitch com calling for a pickoff or anything other than old-fashioned body language of Brendan Donovan was kind of sneaking behind the runner at second base. And it was fascinating to hear Sonny Gray tell the story about this and something that I hope to be able to kind of write about, but we're kind of running out of time here as we, uh, we close the day on Tuesday. Talking about the fact that, like, he just kind of was looking at Sonny Gray and thinking, man, this guy's taking a hell of a leadoff. And Sonny was picking up what he was putting down. He noticed that Brendan was actually looking toward the dugout to maybe, like, are we going to get a signal to, like, get the call for a pickoff? But Sonny Gray was noticing that Donovan was kind of sneaking behind the, the runner of, like, is this an opportunity to maybe put something on? And he said, Sonny said this, that he just kind of held his glove out in such a way that he was hoping that Brendan would kind of see the signal of, I I'm picking up what you're putting down. And if this guy takes that lead again, we're going to run this. And sure enough, Sonny takes a peek back and notice that Donovan's like break into the bag, ready to receive an actual throw. And so they, they make it happen and they pick him off all coming from just, intuition, and two guys being on the same page and noticing those little details. I thought it was a really fascinating story for spring training for a guy in sunny gray that's obviously new to the Cardinals. This was his first game action. And in in that spring type of setting, you know, it's not very customary that the dugout is going to be putting on that play. Like, yeah, you want to practice like you play in the real real games in the regular season, but this early, you know, it's his first spring outing. The Cardinals are probably content to just have Sonny Gray focus on the batters. If that's, if that's where he is at this point in the spring, but Sonny Gray, we know is, is a different sort of breed. And so he was a hundred percent in lockstep with what Brendan Donovan was thinking. And it was just really interesting to hear it described that way and asked Ali about it after. And he said, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was just two guys being on the same page, having the instincts for the moment and, and executing a play. Really kind of interesting to see, and nice for Sonny Gray because he did end up throwing 40 pitches in two innings, while having that pick out uh, that, that pickoff, I should say, and a uh, a stolen base attempt that Wilson Contreras was able to cut down to get an out as well. Guy trying to steal second, I think there was a successful steal against him, which is maybe how that base runner got to second base that was picked off by Sonny. But then another later attempt was was cut down on the bases. couple of walks for Sonny Gray, a couple of hits allowed. Again, more traffic than he would have wanted, but he was very introspective, as he always is, and and said, you know, there's some things that, that he's going to look to clean up, but at the same time, felt good about getting back out there and getting through his outing the way that he did, having it be scoreless. Uh, 40 pitches, was supposed to be 35, ended up throwing 40, getting out of the jam with a strikeout there, I believe it was in the second inning to end things, had a couple of Ks on the day, two hits, two walks allowed. All in all, I think a really solid performance just to kind of shake the rust off in that first one. You're not really looking too hard necessarily at the box score. I know a guy like Sonny Gray always will, but for Cardinals fans, I think a good one to feel pretty strongly about is he uh, ends up starting on a pretty solid note. So I know today's game was not on television, but if you listened on radio or you're just kind of learning about everything that went down right now. Let me know in the comments section below what you thought from Sonny Gray for his first outing officially with the Cardinals here in the Grapefruit League. And what do you think about him being officially named by Ollie Marmel, the opening day starter for the Cardinals? Now, I don't know what that's going to look like as far as the home opener. I know that's obviously a thought heavy on everybody's mind, given that Cardinals fans flock to Bush Stadium for that game every year. And this year, it's kind of a little bit wonky because they'll start on the road for seven games and then play opening day without an off day. Really? It's just eight straight days of playing. If I'm not mistaken, they play in Los Angeles on a Thursday and then the next Thursday is in St. Louis and there's no off days in between. So it's going to be a little bit difficult to project until we know whether or not they're going to go with a six man rotation. We're going to see a lot more from Zach Thompson, Matthew Libertor, This coming week could be miles. Michael is starting in port St. Lucie on Wednesday against the Mets, but then I think we'll see more Libby, more Thompson try to delineate between those two guys eventually. Uh, But yeah, it kind of interesting because you you do want to know, okay, opening day, sunny gray makes sense. Who's starting the home opener at Bush. That's, that's going to be everybody's obvious next question. So as soon as we get that info, we will continue to uh, pass it along and, and pass along anything relevant here on the channel. And, of course, KMOV.com slash sports, where all my articles are written. Make sure to check those out on KMOV's website. Helps me out for sure. Okay, let's shift gears, though, a little bit and talk about the other news of the day, which was sort of the continuation of what we learned yesterday would be the case, Brandon Crawford joining the Cardinals. And we find out for sure it's a major league deal. One year, $2 million is widely reported to have been the salary signed by Brandon Crawford and the Cardinals for this season. Again, you know, a little bit more. I think uh, whether it was Ahmed Rosario, I forget exactly what all of the recent signees at shortstop position signed for, but I think one guy had a $1.5 million. I think Tim Anderson might have been $5 million. So a couple million dollars for Brandon Crawford. He ends up showing in Cardinals camp. We hear from John Mozilla confirming that they've signed him. We see Brandon Crawford and get a chance to talk to him. Um, I'll start with the housekeeping of sort of the corresponding move to this. Buddy Kennedy has now been designated for assignment. And I want to take a moment just to be like, that kind of stinks for Buddy Kennedy Um, in Cardinals camp, right? They brought him in, in the off season. It was shortly after last season ended that they added him to the 40 man roster. He's a guy that could play a little second, play a little third, um, has has some good offensive stats in the minors, and it just it's just a little bit tougher when you when you see the guy. Like we were having a conversation in the clubhouse with him this morning. At that time, he had already learned that he was the guy DFA'd. But it's just tough, man, because these are these are humans too, and he was looking for a shot. Um, I, I'd like to see Buddy Kennedy get a shot somewhere, whether it's clearing waivers and staying with the Cardinals, which I don't know how likely that is or, you know, catching on somewhere else for a chance um to kind of join their depth chart. We'll see what that could end up being for Buddy Kennedy, but kind of kind of a a move that, you know, you say, well, Buddy Kennedy is a much younger player. Maybe he's got upside. The Cardinals brought him in for a reason. You know, why jettison him for Brandon Crawford, who's thirty-seven and clearly kind of on the on the tail end of his playing career, but the Cardinals really felt strongly about the need to put a shortstop on this roster, a guy with experience at that position to, to be able to spell Mason Win, but more so, honestly, to be able to know that Tommy Edmund can play center field. That's what we talked about last night on the podcast when we were discussing Brandon Crawford before the deal was official, and everything we heard from John Mosellock and Ollie Marmel today echoes those thoughts of, yes, this is very much a move about Tommy Edmond and what the Cardinals want to see from him this year. And we acknowledge that right now Edmund is not healthy, is not full strength after the wrist surgery. The idea would be, though, that he's going to get there. And so this is a move that happens in February. Yes, but it's not really about Tommy Edmund's health in February or March. I think it's more about Tommy Edmund's freedom to be in one concrete position in June, July, August, September. You know, forget the timeline of when he's going to be ready, when he's ready He's going to be the center fielder. He's not an infielder. I've seen a lot of comments on YouTube after last night of, well, Tommy should play second or he should play shortstop. It is totally fine for everybody in Cardinal Nation to have their opinions. I'm totally about that. When I present info, though, I want to be clearly, like, this is me presenting info. This is telling, I'm telling you what's going to happen. Tommy Edmond is not going to play second base this year. He's not going to. Now, I guess if Brendan Donovan were hurt and Gorman were hurt and like, Things can change, but the plan is with this group being pretty much healthy, Edmonds, your center fielder, Dylan Carlson's going to mix in. He can play any of the three outfield spots, but Tommy Edmonds going to play center field and he's not playing shortstop either. You might think he's a nice shortstop. He's not going to play there. He's their center fielder. I couldn't be, this could not be more clear coming from the Cardinals either. Like this is not just my opinion. This is, I'm telling you what's going to happen. This is why they did the Brandon Crawford move. It's to keep Tommy Edmond in center field because it's been the position of the team going back to for sure December at the winter meetings in Nashville. But I think probably even before that they had the GM meetings in November, wherever that was held. I think maybe out in Arizona. That's not an event that I was at. So I don't, I couldn't tell you the quotes that were given by John Moselick at the time. Excuse me. But It's basically been said the entire way through that, okay, yeah, we value the idea of a more consistent defensive alignment for our team next year, and we want to find a way to accomplish that. For a while, they talked about it like, well, ideally, in a perfect world, you do this. And the reason that they had to kind of be wishy-washy and a little more vague was because they didn't have the roster in place. As I put it in a tweet yesterday, the roster math was not mathing. You could say we want Tommy Edmund to be our center fielder, and you could say we don't want to have to have our guys move around as much, save for maybe one utility guy like a Brendan Donovan. It's nice to say all those things, but to put the roster together to allow for it is another. And until today, officially, they didn't they didn't have that in place. And now they do. Braden Crawford, although he says I'm happy to play second, short, third, whatever. He's only ever been a shortstop in his career outside of one scoreless inning as a pitcher, which was something he brought up today. He said, I've only ever played shortstop, obviously, except for that one shutout inning that I threw, which was like, oh, yes, you did need to specify. It was a shutout inning. Again, if you want to see him talking about that, it's in the video on the channel. Scroll back. Brandon Crawford talks about whatever is the name of the the title of the video. It's like eight minutes long really kind of a funny moment from from Brandon Crawford, Do I think Cardinals fans are going to like, by the way. I think they'll be endeared to this guy. He talked a lot about how, honestly, it was his kids that, you know, he's got young kids that wanted him to continue playing. Said his eight-year-old son is really into baseball, could probably name the entire Cardinal roster, you know, better than he could. But Goldie, Arenado are two guys that uh, that his son is a fan of, eight-year-old son. So, you know, he, he said for his kids he wanted to continue playing, which you might say, all right, that's not super enthusiastic. Like, well, I'm only doing it because my kids wanted me to, and it's a couple million bucks. Like, it's not verbatim what he said, but he, you did get the vibe that, like, you know, it, the decision happened early for him in the offseason of, yes, I want to continue pursuing this. Yes, probably even if that means not with the Giants. Um, he said he felt very little anxiety about it because he knew that if it didn't work out for him to get an offer from the right team, that he could be content into retiring and, and, you know, spending more time with his kids and his family. But his his kids want to be at the ballpark, it sounds like. So that was a driving force. He he said, I'm not going to lie about that. But another driving force was the fact that he doesn't want to end it the way it went last year. With the And we talked about it last night. But a 587 OPS, negative 14 defensive run saved. Uh, I did see a, a tweet from somebody, or it, maybe it was a YouTube comment, Regarding his, his outs above average, which was another is another one of those defensive metrics that we, we, we have to recognize, defensive runs saved is not the only thing. Um, outs above average, and I'll read it from the StatCast um, definition here on on the Baseball Savant website, is the cumulative effect of all individual plays a fielder has been credited or debited with, making it a range-based metric of fielding skill that accounts for the number of plays made and the difficulty of those plays. So another way of looking at, you know, overall defensive value, he ranked much better in outs above average, recording six outs above average, which was 48th in baseball, uh, maybe among qualifiers. I got to see exactly what the innings load is to qualify for this. But for reference, you know, there's 200 and some odd players on this list he could have been a lot lower than 48th. So maybe not all metrics consider that Brandon Crawford was terrible defensively last year, and I appreciate the YouTube con- I think it was a YouTube comment. I appreciate the commenter who brought that into my attention because I, I did. I looked at defensive run saved. I was pressed for time and probably should have done a deeper dive before going, ah, he was toward the bottom of the, the defensive run saved metric. Out's above average, his range-based fielding, uh, appreciates him a little bit more as, as one of the, you know, better defenders in baseball. And again, part of it was injuries. Like, in, nobody wants to hear, oh, he was only bad because of injuries, not because he was 36 years old and now he's 37. Like, impossible that it could be an age-related decline. Well, sure, I get the skepticism there. And maybe he comes out this year and it's, you know, I had a YouTube commenter say, the Cardinals are so obsessed with Matt Carpenter that they're collecting all of the Matt Carpenters and that Brandon Crawford is more like the Matt Carpenter of the shortstop position, which was admittedly a little funny, albeit mean, you know, I try to take the YouTube comments in stride. Some of them, if you, if you personally attack when I'm just out here trying to give you guys free videos and good stuff to enjoy as Cardinals fans, then I might get a little pissy about it. But generally, if you're just kind of cracking fun, I try to just let you be, but on the Carpenter one, I was like, okay, collecting all the Matt Carpenters is uh that was funny. Not like I said, not super nice. Not something that I would say, hey, Matt Carpenter, what do you think about this? But I, I understand you're Cardinals fans, you want to let off some steam. That's okay. But when it comes to Brandon Crawford, like there there may be some merit to the idea that look, he dealt with hamstring and knee injuries throughout last season. If if you hear Ollie Marmel talk about it, and, and Ollie has only had some brief conversation with Crawford, as of our our meeting with him this afternoon, he said they'll sit down tomorrow at at more full length and kind of talk about a game plan for him ramping up into spring, which I wouldn't expect to see him in games for a couple weeks. Mo said maybe by mid-March that would be a nice target um, because he's not been on, he said, I've not been on the baseball field, right? Whatever workouts he's been doing, it's not been, you know, probably as substantial as what you're going to be doing at spring training. So he'll have three, four, five workouts, practices, and then kind of go from there, I think, in terms of what the plan's going to be. But hearing Ollie explain sort of his awareness level of what Crawford was going through last year, it sounds like he was playing through a lot of pain. And is that type of player that, as Mo put it, like he's wants to be out there every day. He's going to play through stuff. He's going to tell you he's fine. Like the type of guy that you – if he is an everyday player in a, in a key part of your team – You probably have to keep an eye on and kind of protect him from himself at times. Take him out of the lineup, even though he's going to want to be in there every day. seems like Goldie, you know, that kind of guy sometimes like, yeah, maybe he should DH this time so that he can kind of be off his feet, that kind of thing. But with Brandon Crawford now, like, it's not going to be a concern because he's not going to be the everyday shortstop. And I think there is an element to maybe the Cardinals get more out of him with the realization that he doesn't have to push through stuff because he's mostly going to be resting if the team's at full health, which I think is important. But it's interesting to talk about, too, and and here's sort of the thought process from the team where Moselak was asked, like, hey, you don't have very many righty bats off the bench. We talked last night about the alignment. Herrera, as the backup catcher, which is typically a a player that they're not eager to use in pitch hitting in, in such scenarios, if he's not in the, the, the lineup to begin with, and if he's going to be in there as a catcher with Wilson DHing, like there are going to be some challenges to that at times. But nevertheless, Avon Herrera, right-handed bat, that's great. But Carpenter and Brandon Crawford, left-handed bats. And then you have Dylan Carlson, who he is that fourth outfielder, and he can be a right-handed bat as a switch hitter because he's typically pretty good against left-handed pitching from the right side but also you sort of need to recognize that if you put him in as a pinch hitter you you don't have the ability to slide in an outfielder later on like once you're bringing him in it may be a scenario that he comes in for for defense, Jordan Walker leaves the game, like you start to think about late game scenarios, Carlson probably goes to right, Tommy stays in center because they're not going to be moving Tommy around even though we feel good about Dylan as a center fielder on this podcast I, I think if Tommy's in there, he's going to remain in center. That's kind of the, the genesis of this move is like the Cardinals want him to have that consistent spot, make it his own and chase a gold glove, like be great and help your pitching staff in, in the process of doing that. Another angle on this Mason wind was told about Brandon Crawford signing a couple days ago. I think Sunday before he had a three hit day, uh, he said today, and I wasn't there for this anymore. I had to get, going back to my Airbnb to do my radio show. But I saw from everybody reporting on Twitter that he basically said, learning about the Cardinals signing Crawford, who again, that's a position that Mason Wynn plays and Mason Wynn in his MLB career has had a cup of coffee in September. Like he's not a a guy with who's been a mainstay in the major leagues. Like he's still has that mindset of trying to earn it, which is good. He said it lit a fire under his ass Uh, Ollie sharing that Mason's discussion with him when Ollie kind of had that talk with him and explained what the deal was, um, Mason said, that's fine. I never want to come into this camp as though the job um, isn't one that I have to earn, right? I, 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 shouldn't come in. I'm not going to come into this camp. I never would want to thinking that I had this job in the bag. So I think Cardinals fans are already very fond of Mason Wynn and the way he goes about things, but that's another really kind of a feather in his cap to hear from the Cardinal manager about how he reacted to learning that the team had just signed a a shortstop who's basically been an everyday player for the last 13 years. Um, I don't think it's going to be that way in St. Louis. All indications are that Mason's going to be the guy. And I don't think Mason's going to struggle, so I don't think it's going to be even like a controversy at all. But it is, I mean, if you're a rookie 21-year-old shortstop and the team specifically signs a guy and says, yeah, he's not going to play anything but shortstop, and he's also been a starter in the big leagues for 13 years, I mean, that, if you don't handle that right internally with, like, the messaging to your young player, that could have a, an issue, right? You could see the, the psyche of a guy being shaken, not Mason Wynn, and and not in this Cardinal clubhouse because I think Ollie handled it and and had the conversation, and by all accounts, it went exactly the way you'd hope that it would, and Mason took it in the right way because, again, this is not about Mason Win as much as it's about Tommy Edmond not being needed to play the infield. They, they like his range. His instincts were tremendous in center field, and he had never played it really at this level. So let him have an offseason where he can think about that, and then when he's healthy, he comes into spring, and whenever that might be, thinking about just playing center field. And I think you'll get really good production out of him defensively from that position. So something else to kind of think about when it comes to this move to grab Braden Crawford. Another element is, okay, this is just another one of those Matt Carpenters adding the veteran, more voices for the room. It's kind of nauseating at this point because we've talked so much about it. Here's what I'll say. Mosaic said, like, yeah, that's not really what this was. We specifically needed a shortstop. This is not like Matt Carpenter 2.0. The position-specific help at shortstop was what drove this decision, more so than let's get another old guy to be – helping out the the veteran leadership quotient of the clubhouse. Yeah, that's always a nice bonus. And he said, you never want to dismiss that Brandon Crawford's had a bunch of postseason and, and big league experience and has been around the block. Like he beat the Cardinals in, in postseasons, right? Like 2012 NLCS, I think 2014 was another playoff series. So like he's gone against these Cardinals. The Cardinals have seen what that looks like and – now he's going to be on the St. Louis side of it and be able to sort of invest some of that wisdom that he has in, in a new crop of players in St. Louis. But kind of interesting to see. And also, by the way, interesting to hear not only just Brandon Crawford says his kids wanted to play, so he's playing. He wants to prove that that last year doesn't have to be the way that it ends for him. But it's also interesting to hear he basically is like, there's like only a couple teams that play their spring training in Florida that I would have gone to. It's like, yeah, I mean if anybody's offering you 2 million bucks and and your kids want to play and you want to play, you probably take it. But he's an Arizona guy who was living in Arizona has done Arizona spring training for 13 years. Everybody that's seen both kind of says that the Arizona spring training is set up better than Florida, but Cardinals are a Florida team. I wonder if they paid a little bit more just because it's like, hey, we I know we're in Florida, I know you're an Arizona guy, but we really kind of feel that we need you. And so they that that's how it maybe gets up to $2 million. Wouldn't surprise me if that was part of it, just to make sure like that he was in. And also, when you think about Tim Anderson signing and Ahmed Rosario signing and Kike Hernandez signing, um, I think there was one more as well over the past week. Oh, Nick Ahmed, which is the guy that we kind of thought might end up being the Cardinals guy. And then he signs with the Giants, which I think kicks it into gear for Brandon Crawford. Like, I'm not getting an offer from San Francisco at this point. They just signed my replacement decision time. And so I think that's why it's happening all this week. That's what sort of moved. When the market moved, the Cardinals said, yeah, we probably can't wait much longer to do this deal. So the Cardinals get it done. Brandon Crawford, the newest shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals, won't be the starter. How many games will he play? You know, it's impossible to say because if the right guy gets hurt, Like, if Mason Wynn gets hurt, he'll probably play a lot. Um, But if if Mason Wynn plays 140 games, you'll probably see Brandon Crawford start 20 and pinch hit and and be a defensive assistant at some form or fashion in another 20, 25. Like, he'll probably play 50 games. It's not going to be a ton, and, and the starts will be half that if Mason Wynn takes this job and runs with it like I think a lot of folks expect him to do. So all kind of interesting thoughts there as it pertains to Brandon Crawford signing with the Cardinals, a couple million bucks. He's going to be the be the backup for Mason Win, and it means Tommy Edmund when healthy is going to be able to play center. We don't really know fully when that's going to be. It's going to be a slow play until it's not, and and then once he ramps up, I think we'll go. Oh, he's in spring games. It looks good. He probably makes the roster. Everything's good there. Um, and the other thing I still kind of want to get a better sense of is Brendan Donovan. How much shortstop do they? think he could play if necessary um, kind of makes him redundant at that position given that Crawford's also a left-handed bat but again the Cardinals view the notion of having more right-handed bench help as less important than getting their starting defensive alignment where they want it to be and that has everything to do with Edmund in center field and then filling in the pieces around that because everybody else is going to have that consistency I'm still watching to see whether they try to move Lars Nupar towards center field. If you start to see that in Grapefruit League play, I'll tell you, I don't think it's a good uh, prediction for Tommy Eben to be ready health-wise for the opening day roster. The more center field Nupar plays in, in, in spring, the less likely to me it is that Tommy's going to be ready for opening day because I think they're otherwise they're going to keep Nupar in left. That would be their desired role for him because, again, they want everybody to kind of stay consistent and I think that'll be better for them defensively. I think it'll be better for the pitching staff knowing that they've got a consistent stable defense behind them and everybody can kind of thrive as a result of that. I think that's really all I wanted to talk about though. Today we've gone over on time. I, I try to stick to 30 minutes. I never do. Um, I did have somebody say 15 minutes is what you need to shoot for. And I had to say, but it's not going to happen because some people say, Oh, your podcasts are too short. I have an hour commute, so I need it to be longer and, some people say, oh, you talk too long. Do it 15 minutes. I got to be real. I'm going to do me. Appreciate you guys for caring enough to chime in with the comments. Keep doing so. Please do keep it respectful. Um, but I, I'm not going to be able to necessarily cater to your every win, but sometimes I can. If it's If it's something that's a suggestion that I can do, better believe that I will try to make that happen. But that is going to do it for this edition of the show. Appreciate you guys, as always. Cardinals will be in Port St. Lucie on Wednesday. I will not be making the trip for that game uh, about an hour north here in Jupiter area to, to Port St. Lucie. It's like 45 to an hour depending on traffic. Uh, but we'll see if there's anything relevant that comes of it that I need to talk about in a podcast on Wednesday. But for now, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Appreciate you guys as always for listening and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shave Daily. Peace.